What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, my former colleague and good friend James Edwards, who covers the Detroit Pistons for The Athletic, joins me in studio to discuss the futures of Jeremy Grant and Marvin Bagley. We're going to preview Detroit's draft and free agency plan and more. James, I appreciate you coming on the line with me, brother. Great to chat with you as always. How's everything? Everything's good, Mike. I appreciate you having me on, man. I miss that uh I miss that thick Brooklyn accent. It's been a while since I heard it. Uh, but it's <laughs> good to talk to you and hopefully see you uh, at an arena here soon. Absolutely, brother. Um always enjoyed our time in in Vegas at Summer League and any time uh you and the Pistons yeah. would come into town whether it was at the Garden or Barclays for sure. Um and speaking of your Pistons, brother, uh Pretty big off season coming up for them uh, as we get uh, a little bit of a preview coming up now in the next couple of months. But the other night, uh, Detroit played Portland and you got Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic both posting photos of themselves talking with Jeremy Grant on Twitter. Um, and and I kind of got a kick out of that. It was almost like, uh, you know, eyes emoji kind of thing. At first, yeah, and, and obviously, um, you know, Portland, given their situation where they're trying to retool, not necessarily rebuild, uh, around Damian Lillard, looking ahead towards uh, next season, they were in the mix to try to trade for Jeremy Grant at the deadline. Obviously, it didn't happen. Both sides couldn't agree to anything. Uh, I was curious on two things from your vantage point, uh, being around the Detroit Pistons consistently. One, uh, how close, if at all, were those talks between the Blazers and the Pistons at the deadline on a trade for Jeremy Grant? And two, what do you see for Jeremy Grant's future looking ahead towards next season? Yeah, no, good questions. Uh, yeah, the the Nurkic and Hart thing was hilarious. I know Hart and, and Jeremy are from the same area, uh, and I don't know if Nurkic – did Nurkic and Jeremy overlap in Denver? I'm not sure. I, maybe not, but I know Hart and, and Grant are from the same area, but it did definitely look like eyes emoji. Um, but in terms of – I know the Blazers, and I, I reported them, I think you did as well, like the Blazers were one of the teams that were most persistent in trying to get Grant. Um, I don't think at the time they had the, the assets that Weaver was looking for uh, to trade Grant. I think Jeremy is um, somebody obviously they like. He's a good player. The, Troy was had all the leverage. He doesn't have to trade Jeremy. So there, I'm sure he set a price. Those teams couldn't meet that price at that time. Uh, but Portland is going to find itself in an interesting predicament where, I wouldn't say predicament, but an interesting situation where they could have a high draft pick coming up. They're uh, clearly, they're not, like you said, they're not rebuilding, but they are kind of resetting um, this season. So you'd anticipate them having somewhat of a high draft pick. That could be bait to go get Jeremy. Maybe if it's if it's high enough, it's an offer that the Pistons can't refuse. Um, but I feel like if Jeremy gets traded anywhere this offseason, it is going to be Portland. Um Again, some other team can swoop in. You know how the business works, but it feels like Portland is still the front runner. And then in terms of his, Jeremy's future in Detroit, I think it's interesting. Like like I said, they like him. He likes it here. Um, I think where they pick in the draft is going to be is going to have some type of impact on 
on what they decide to do. If they end up picking in the top four or five and one of those, those forwards are, are right there for them, I think it's possible that you could see Grant moved if he, um, if the Pistons end up with like a Ben Carroll or a, uh, a Jabari Smith or Keegan Murray or, of course, Chet Holmgren, I think it's possible. But then on the other hand, if they pick fifth, sixth, seventh, and it's Ben Matherin, who's a shooting guard, uh, Cave Cunningham, Ben Matherin, Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Stewart, Isaiah Stewart, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart lineup is not bad. It's it's fun for where you're going in, in your restoring. So I think it really does depend on where they draft and just which team is willing to maybe overpay a little bit uh, to get Jeremy Grant. Now, James, to that point, when you talk about overpaying, a lot of times when a trade is going down in the NBA, it comes down to need and whether there's a little bit of desperation there. Now, when I look at Portland's situation, uh, you know, getting Josh Hart, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, I know he's going to be a free agent, but uh, there are enough people around the league that believe Yusuf Nurkic and the Portland Trailblazers are going to work out a deal and he's going to stay there. Uh, looking ahead towards the next season and beyond. So if you're going along with that line of thinking and you've got Nurkic, you've got Josh Hart, you've got Damian Lillard, a lot of people around the league also believe Anthony Simons is going to remain with the Blazers and that's why they made a lot of uh, salary cap saving moves uh, to ultimately have more room to re-sign him and also make another move going forward. Uh, Jeremy Grant would plug a hole there um, at the four for them for sure. And I, I just think that given where they're at in in trying to compete with Damian Lillard's timeline, Jeremy Grant is a guy that's in the prime of his career at 28. I think for Detroit, um, you know, you're looking at a guy that while Kate Cunningham is a, is a bright young prospect and they've got some other pieces there, including, you know, they're going to have, uh, a pretty high lottery pick wherever it falls in this draft. It, it seems like the timelines don't necessarily match there. And, and some people around the league um, have always wondered if there was going to be an expiration date. Plus the fact that Jeremy Grant is seeking uh, a max extension if he can get it, which, uh, you know, that's a lot of money, uh, quite frankly. And I don't know if you're the Pistons right now, uh, if it behooves them to do that. Maybe you, uh, you know, look, obviously this is looking further ahead now. Um, but to me, I thought it was just interesting because you've got a guy that's now going into next season. Uh, Jeremy's going to be in the final year of his deal. He's going to be making just under 21 million. Uh, it, it's a lot different if you're paying Jeremy that type of money versus paying him in the thirties and above, uh, to, to me, you know, like, yeah. Jeremy Grant, when you saw him with the, the Nuggets, I thought that's the type of role for him if he's going to be on a contender. I think if he goes to Portland, he'd be a little bit more of a higher priority, certainly, than he was in Denver, but he's not going to be the main guy. I think at that point, he'd probably be the third option behind Anthony Simons, if you really think about it. Um, is that something he would be comfortable with? Certainly, he's enjoyed being the go-to guy. I think all those optics... Um, are going to need to be discussed. But um, if you had a, you know, take an educated guess at this point, because a lot, because a lot can change, like you talked about. Uh, I'm not going to hold you to right. it. You know, you're my boy. Uh, you, know, you, got the, <laughs> you got the draft coming up, and then you got, 
free agency. I mean, do you think Jeremy Grant is going into the season with the Pistons next year? And also, if Troy Reaver, you talked about Troy Reaver's price, right? What what do you think it would take for an opposing team to get Jeremy Grant at this point? Obviously, it wasn't enough for Portland to get him at the trade deadline uh, last, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think a lottery pick would be like the kind of sweetener that would do it. And Portland obviously is heading toward that trajectory. It wasn't all the way clear at that point at the deadline. Um, and like I said, like Troy was in no rush at all. Like I said, they liked Jeremy. Jeremy likes Detroit. There's no, there was no rush to get something done at the deadline. So you can kind of fall back, see where everything falls, see where the, where the chips lay and, and reevaluate in the summer. And I think that's, what's going to happen. Um, my, my gut tells me that Jeremy, that Portland really makes a legitimate push and, and goes and gets Jeremy. I think when you look at it, you said those two things that kind of are the backbone of why trades happen team need and desperation. And I would say Portland has both of those right now. Uh, Jeremy fills a, a, a glaring hole on the roster, which has been a glaring hole since pretty much the, the Dame Lillard era, um, a, a versatile two-way player um, and their desperation. There's clearly been a little bit of weirdness in Portland. Uh, it seems like it's obviously calmed down a little bit, but you still want to try to build while you have Dame in his prime. Uh, Dame and, and Jeremy are close. I think a lot of the reports were that Dame was a big reason that Jeremy um, ended up on Team USA. Not that Jeremy wasn't deserving with his play, but guys were pushing for him. Um, so there is a relationship there. And in terms of Jeremy's role, I think he's even done a better job in Detroit, not really trying to be as forceful as a number one option since the deadline. I think his, he's made a, a conscious effort to play make a little bit more. Um, there's been a good balance between him, Sadiq, and Cade Cunningham. So I think when he gets to Portland, the stakes are going to be a little bit higher. Um, I still think he's probably nestled into like that 2A, 2B option with Portland. So he does have a higher role than he had in Portland. And they're going to be playing for a little bit more. So I think for Jeremy, it's the situation. Obviously, any NBA player and any person contractually, you, you want to get as much money as you can. Um, and I think Portland right now seems like it checks the most boxes uh, for Jeremy Grant if there were a trade uh, to happen. And I think if they get a lottery pick and are able and are willing to part with it, I think it checks a lot of boxes for Detroit as well. I agree with you. I just think, you know, Portland has a very, is likely going to have a high lottery pick. I don't know if they go that high. It might be a future uh, pick in that regard, maybe with some protections. I could see uh, from Portland's side, you know, and, and just, I, I agree with you, brother. Like when I'm looking at the landscape of teams that I, as of today, that have, you know, interest in Jeremy that would have the desperation and the assets to get it done. I would think Portland uh, has a really good shot. You know, the Lakers obviously had interest, but uh, for a lot of reasons, I don't think that appealed to Jeremy in terms of uh, where his fit would be on that team, but also the assets that the Lakers had. You know, for a while, they were dangling Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and a first round pick. Now, I don't know if having another pick at their disposal going ahead is going to move the needle for that. Um, but uh, I guess something to monitor there. But when you look around, you know, at the rest of at the NBA, uh, you know, Washington uh, had been linked to him as well. But then they went out and got Porzingis. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting negotiation between uh, Portland and Detroit when it comes to that. But brother, that's not the only interesting negotiation I'm going to be looking at coming up for the Pistons. Another uh, big man, another forward that they got, uh, Marvin Bagley, is coming up mm-hmm. on potentially uh, restricted free agency. Now, do you think that Detroit is going to offer that qualifying offer and make him a restricted free agent, given what we've seen so far? And what, from your standpoint, is Detroit's vision uh in terms of what they see for him long-term? Yeah, I think there's a wrinkle in the, the qualifying offer portion. If, if not Jeremy, if Marvin doesn't meet starter criteria, which is 41 games started or 2000 minutes played, I think that qualifying offer is cut in half to my understanding. So it'd be like 7.1. And I think right now there's no way he could reach that criteria. So I think they're looking at a, a tender offer of, of around $7 million, and I think that makes it a little more palpable. Um, Marvin is a – even before he got to Detroit, all the hoopla because of who was drafted after him, all that stuff. Like, he's averaged 14-7 and seven for his career. Like, that's not that's not nothing just to brush under the rug. Obviously, there's, there's questions about his defense. Um, he was in a weird situation in Sacramento. But since he's been into Detroit, you've seen – they're, they're using him in the post. They're allowing him to face up. Offensively, he's very gifted. Um, I still think there's something with the shot that could come along with, with time. He's only 23. It's not like a broken shot. I think the jump shot could come along with time. Uh, defensively, still needs a little work. But I, I don't think $7 million per year for a guy like that um, is a bad number. Now, what Detroit has to consider is they have a lot of cap space this summer. Uh, they can choose to have a lot of cap space next summer. Blake Griffin's contract comes off the book this summer. So like, do you want, do you want to commit three years, 21 ish million to Marvin? I think they will. I think it's possible. Maybe they try to go lower. Um, assuming that nobody else, uh, nobody else's wants to go that high, which is, could be possible. Um, but I do think that Detroit wants this, wants to have Marvin here long-term. I've, t- I've talked to him and, he seems every time he talks about Detroit, he talks about like the future, his future here. Uh, he likes it. He's a good locker room guy, nice guy, fits fits the culture. Um, I think Detroit's plan is to bring him back. In what role? I think right now it, it seems most likely just because of his his limita- limitations defensively. Cur- currently, I think he's going to be looked at as probably the, one of the main two pieces off the bench moving forward. Uh, first off. Excellent clarification as far as the uh, the qualifying offer. Certainly that affects it dramatically in terms of what they're going to do. I think with Marvin, um, he certainly had a nice connection with Cade Cunningham so far. And um, to say he desperately wanted to get out of Sacramento uh, was an understatement. <laughs> understatement. Yeah, you know, he, you know, he uh, Marvin Bagley, you know, made that situation seem like he was in the sunken place. You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) and he he might've been, um, but yeah, I mean, look, since he's been in Detroit, he's putting up about almost 14 and seven, like you touched on, uh, defensively, right. There have been questions on him. I think to your point. Yeah. You know, also I think depends on what's going on with Jeremy Grant and where they're at at the, uh, the top of the draft, but 
Um, certainly it's been a, a better role for him. I, I don't think one of the things with him is when you get drafted ahead of Luka Doncic, yeah, I feel like when he was in Sacramento, he always had that, uh, stain on him on his resume and that wasn't even his fault that was the team's uh you know decision and 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 the fluctuating role that he had it wasn't a fit there um i think for him it's a good uh restart for his career and and like you touched on he could be a really high scoring sixth man off the bench um you know if he improves his defense maybe that role changes and he and he gets a bigger role but um i I think certainly when it comes to teams around the league detroit had the most interest and trying to get him um, prior to the deadline this year. And um, I, I would assume they would want to keep him more than anybody would want to overpay to get him. Uh, so time will tell on that. And and you did touch on uh, your interview. If, you, if folks, if you haven't seen that, check it out on The Athletic. It was a nice uh, chat James had with Marvin. Um, another guy that Detroit has that I'm looking at long term that I'm a little curious about and I wanted to touch on with you is, is Killian Hayes, uh, their other former lottery pick. Um, you know, for Killian, he's, he's had to deal with injuries. And now, you know, Cade Cunningham has primarily been a guy that's had the ball in his hands. You know, when you look at Killian's future there, uh, do you see a world where he and Cade Cunningham uh, can can really coexist and thrive or – is this a situation where even though he's he's very young still at this point and still a little bit raw as a as a player and as a ultimately a prospect long term uh, is his future still in Detroit you think or could Detroit look to maybe move him this offseason Yeah I think that's kind of the lingering question right now I think uh Killian is in a position where I mean he just played uh was it last night two nights ago whatever they played last two nights ago was just his 82nd game. So a lot of injuries, obviously missed three months ish his rookie year. So he's just played a full NBA season. It's been disjointed. It's tough for anybody not to make excuses. It's tough for anybody, but he's shown some good things. I think, uh, and I wrote about it uh, today, yesterday, like how good, uh, how advanced of a passer he is. And he's one of the teams, if not the team's better on ball defenders. Like those are two good baselines to be able to read the game, and to just have the effort and energy to to provide something on the defensive end. Not, not a lot of guys are, are built like that or to have that instilled in them. There's always the old adage, you can teach a guy to shoot. Of course, we've seen Ace and Kid go from Jason Kid. There's numerous, Lonzo Ball. There's numerous examples. But for Killian and Cade to coexist, Killian has to be able to space the floor. Um, it's just Kate is going to, it's just natural. Kate is a, a more carries a little bit more gravity. You want the ball in his hands more. Um, so that means Killian's going to have to play off the ball more and he's going to have to be able to knock down shots and his shooting until his shooting improves. Um, I just don't see a world where they play together. He's been coming off the bench for a little bit now, just so um, he's able to play more of a natural point guard role. He's able to have the ball in his hands more. Him and Kate do play together in the game, certain, certain rotation things, but he's, he's, getting a lot of minutes to off the bench as the primary ball handler so that they can uh, highlight his strengths and use him better to his strengths. Cause when he was starting with Kate, it just, it's like, you, you know, he's not a, he's not a shooter. He's not a floor spacer. He needs to improve his finishing. It's he has some limitations on that end. So he's young. Um, I don't think 
Detroit is ready to punt yet. I think it's just because he's 20. I don't think they have an issue with him coming off the bench to try to figure it out. Uh, is there a world this summer where things shake out? Let's say Detroit ends up with, uh, they say, hypothetically, they sign Jalen Brunson um, and they draft uh, uh, a forward. Like, is, is it possible? Yeah, like maybe it's possible if somebody, if somebody likes Killian enough and would be willing to give up something semi-decent for him. Uh, it's certainly possible. I don't think he's untouchable, but I don't know where his value around the league is right now. I would assume not very high. Um, there's more value for Detroit and letting him just kind of figure it out and, and getting him to develop and working on that shot and seeing how he comes back. Like, I think he'll play summer league next year just to, so they can see where he's at in game reps with his jump shot, how he improved over the summer. At the end of the day, I think that's where his future in Detroit comes down to. Is he going to be able to to shoot the ball? Is he going to show significant progress on that end? See, now you touched on Jalen Brunson and the possibility of him in free agency. That leads me to my next topic. Nice segue there, brother. Um, have you ever thought about <laughs> hosting a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I host a bad one. Oh, man. Nah, I'm just teasing you. You do a good job. No, um, but, you, bro. bro, like you just brought up about Jalen Brunson and I, you know, I have heard certainly that that with Detroit, I've heard different names with them. Right. So and this is the very early stages of free agency, but certainly I have heard Detroit. uh, There are some people in that front office that have an eye for Jalen Brunson, as you touched on. I've also heard there are people in the front office that could see Mitchell Robinson with the New York Knicks, who's an unrestricted free agent uh, mm-hmm. as a guy that they'd also look at. Now, to me, you know, I, and DeAndre Ayton's name has been floated out too. Now, my yep. observation and my analysis on this is that I think it's more plausible that the guys like Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson are targets for Detroit because they're going to command less money. Now, DeAndre Ayton First of all, you would have to give him a full max and try to like add a poison pill in there to get him out of uh, you know Phoenix going into right. um, his free agency. And I, I think push come to shove, that would be very tough. Whereas with Jalen Brunson, you already saw Dallas. Dallas knows uh, there's going to be a market for him. One of the reasons they got Spencer Dinwiddie was a hedge uh, to cover themselves, depending on what the market bears for Jalen Brunson. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is you got the Knicks with Mitchell Robinson entering free agency. They also have an eye for Jalen Brunson with the relationship with Leon Rose. Uh, they do need a point guard looking ahead. You know, I know Emmanuel quickly is there, but um it seems more like Emmanuel quickly to this point is viewed as a guy that's kind of a microwave scorer off the bench. Yeah. And Tom Thibodeau likes him uh, coming off the bench in that role. Uh, so w- with that in mind, when you look at free agency for the Pistons, uh, again, we touched on Jalen Brunson, touched on Mitchell Robinson and Aiton. My sense is more – the guys like Jalen Brunson and Mitchell Robinson are guys that are on their radar more than a max guy like Aiton. Uh, what do you right. foresee, my friend? 
Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, I like Aiden. I don't think they're going to go that deep into the well for him. Um, same kind of with Miles Bridges. He's a guy that's been attached just because naturally from Flint, Michigan. Um, I don't think – I like Miles, but, like, if you end up with a, a forward in the draft and you have Sadiq there, I just don't see committing that type of money. Um, and then there's – yeah, there's Jalen Brunson, who I think would be the perfect – fit alongside Caden Cunningham. Um, secondary ball handler can be the lead ball handler, shoots the ball. Well, good defensively takes the pressure off of Cade. Um, uh, just think about like a Cade Brunson, Sadiq insert possible top seven pick in Isaiah Stewart. That's a pretty fun team. And I know Detroit, they're taking it slow. They're taking their time with this rebuild, but they don't want to be bad forever. I think they want to turn a corner. Uh, last time we talked to Weaver on the record, he, he mentioned they're still in talent accumulation mode, and Jalen Brunson is definitely part of accumulating talent. Um, I think he just is would be a great fit for Detroit. Uh, whether he wants a bigger role, I think New York could maybe give him that uh, in terms of just being more of the guy, being more in the spotlight, but he doesn't necessarily strike me i don't know him but he doesn't necessarily strike me as like that's i want to play in new york i want to play in the garden uh i believe arn tell him repped his dad if i'm not mistaken i know oh. they're all from the the, the pa area, uh, leon, area leon rose repped uh rick brunson oh is that right okay so there might be a relationship there i think they're all from uh that's right you're right they're all from the philly area uh so i'm sure there's a connection there in some regard um, I, yeah, I just, I think if Detroit is going to choose to use its cap space this off season, I think Jalen Brunson just makes the most sense from a, from a roster construction standpoint, like he would, him and Cade together, it, it would, I think that would be a very interesting backcourt. It'd be even more interesting if Rick Brunson ends up joining the Knicks as an assistant coach. You know, I know, uh, uh, him yeah. and Tom Thibodeau certainly have some ties and, uh, with Kenny Payne leaving and going to Louisville, opens up a spot for the possibility at least. Um, and, you know, speaking of college, you were talking about it earlier. The, Jeremy Grant's future could depend on what happens with Detroit's draft pick. Uh, certainly when you look at the top of the draft, I think there's really four guys that kind of stand out, you know, in, in no particular order. You know, you've got Chet Holmgren, you've got Jabari Smith, you've got Paolo Bancaro, and you've got uh Jaden Ivy. Now, mm-hmm. when you look at it from Detroit's perspective and and knowing Troy Reaver's history with Oklahoma City and and now with Detroit, do you have a gauge on let's just say all those guys are available, how you would rank those four from Detroit's perspective and where they would go? Uh, in the draft if all are available and on the board. Yeah, I think Chet would go number one. I think defensively, just the potential there is the sky's the limit. I think he has raw offensive tools that could really develop into something. Um, I think he's would be the pick at number one. Now after that, it gets a little interesting because I think they obviously like Javari Smith. They like Paulo Bancaro. To my knowledge, they really like Keegan Murray from Iowa. Um, I think they really like Ben Matherin uh, from Arizona, who's had a really good tournament and really good end of the season. My gut tells me at two, it could be Jabari, 
Paolo, I think, is a better passer, more physically gifted, I think better at putting the ball in the freezer, a better playmaker, um, has a little bit of ways to go defensively. The shot's not broken, but it, it's got some work to do. I like Jabari, great shooter. I worry about his playmaking once he puts the ball on the floor. I think he has solid defensive instincts. So there are – this draft, I know it's, it's not last year's draft, but each kind of top prospect has some significant holes that could cause some pause. Obviously, the thing with Chet – I know people are tired of talking about it, but the size is a thing. He's, he's, he's very frail, so that's something people will consider. There's Paolo, who's not the best defensively. The shot needs some work. Jabari, you worry about his playmaking. Um, Keegan Murray, not the quickest of feet, not the most athletic, but can really put the ball in the hoop, and, and his physical has a good IQ. Uh, ben Matherin, maybe not star potential, but ability to, to shoot the ball. I think he's an underrated passer. Um, he could be solid defensively. Uh, and then Jaden Ivey, explosive athlete, not the greatest playmaker, um, needs a little work defensively. So there's holes all around. I think, I think if I had to rank it, I would go Chet, Jabari, Murray, Bancaro, Matherin, Ivy. If, if, if I just based on talking to people around the league and 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 just checking temperatures every now and then interesting interesting ranking there yeah um, and i could be way off but that's just the sense i get hey but i i still think it's interesting nonetheless um yeah because you know despite we've seen it before brother just because you've got a really bad record and you could have one of those top picks with the way the new lottery system is now they could slip um yep. hopefully for detroit that doesn't happen as they try to continue to spur and and hate and hasten that rebuild uh going forward but you know time will tell on that um oh brother i certainly appreciate you hopping on the line a lot to look forward to with the pistons uh in terms of what potential moves they can make so folks obviously a lot of good coverage from james edwards to look forward to from the athletic too that's why i brought him on go read him (laughs) He's pretty. He's pretty good at what he does. And he's a good person too. I think he's he's actually a, a a better person I think than he is a writer. And I think he's a pretty good writer. So oh, uh, that's where I'm at on on him. That's my scouting report on him. I appreciate you, brother. I'm tearing up over here. Hopefully, uh, I'll be in Brooklyn next week. Hopefully, we can meet up. Uh, looking forward to that um, for sure, my man. But certainly appreciate you coming on and I, I look forward to seeing what Detroit can do in your, in your coverage going forward. Um, also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as James Edwards, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following James too. He's at JL Edwards the third. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.